We are in the Gospel of John, looking at that together. Um, if you have been with us, we've been studying the book of John uh, since the beginning of the year. And uh, one of the things that we like to do is to study a book together. So if you uh, don't have a Gospel of John, there's one in the foyer out there on the table. You're welcome to, to get one of those. If you want to give one away or give many away uh, to others around you, I certainly encourage you in that and the opportunity to, to give the Gospel of John to someone else. We um, have been studying the Gospel of John. This is message 20. Oh, you know what? I was just about to forget the offering and I got the sign. Uh, we're taking the offering in the middle because of our, uh, the way we're closing today. So our ushers are gonna come. Um, on the card uh, that I mentioned to you earlier, uh, you'll see uh, some ways that you can respond. Um, we have a couple of volunteer opportunities where volunteers are needed. You can serve at day camp at Southside Community Center. If you mark that, somebody will be in contact with you. Uh, they're not looking for like full-time people, but just part-time to be able to come and to help them. Uh, you could be in a part of Summit. I'm actually gonna talk quite a bit more about Summit next Sunday and kind of give you some direction about the, the future of Summit. Uh, we also have a, a membership class. If you would like to join the church, uh, you would uh, be welcome to do that. I have a membership class next Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Um, we walk through everything about the church and the doctrine and any questions that you have about the church. And then we take in members on the 30th of uh, June. So once a quarter, we have a membership class and then take new members in. If you mark that, I'll be in touch with you this week and offer a reminder to you. Um, upcoming in a couple of weeks, two weeks from yesterday, is our Think Big Family Day. What that means is it's an opportunity for you as an individual or as a family. If you want to come, maybe you can't go to Ecuador or go somewhere on a trip, but you'd be willing to spend one day for a few hours working at our Summit Campus or at our Southside Campus. And that gives you an opportunity to kind of get out of your comfort zone and go and do something uh, that's going to be helpful to our neighborhood in those areas uh, where we're working. So if you would like to do that, mark that, and I'll get in touch with you and tell you how we're going to do that. Um, the number of people that we have kind of co uh, controls the number of projects uh, that we'll be able uh, to do on that day. So it's like nine to three on that day. I'll give, I have lunch for you, and we'll do a multiple projects there. So mark that Think Big Family Day. Uh, also, there's a rummage sale for our women that's coming up. Uh, if you're looking to be a part of that or be involved in some way, you can mark Mark that, and Pastor Greta will be in touch with you there. Uh, teen camp is coming. Uh, we had more and more kids wanting to go to camp. But every time we add more kids going to camp, we have to take more adults because uh, we have to meet a certain ratio. So if you have interest in that, please talk to us. Talk to Pastor Josh. Uh, we can give you information about that. At the bottom of the card is a way for you to put prayer requests. We pray for these needs every week. Uh, we are always praying specifically for the needs that you're dealing with. So if you mark that card, know that somebody as a group, our staff, and then maybe somebody individually is praying for that particular need. So mark that. You can drop that card in the offering as you give uh, your tithes and offering today. Thank you for your faithfulness and your giving, and God bless you on that. Please serve us, uh, if you would. If you're watching live stream today, thank you so much for 
uh, watching, uh, you can give uh, either on the screen there or you can text NASPAY to 77977. You can mark a communica communication card. You can let us know that you're watching there. Uh, we would love that. Thanks so much for there and happy Father's Day uh, to all of our men uh, that are watching today. Uh, other things that are listed there, uh, no uh, afternoon uh, or evening services or activities today uh, on a day like Father's Day or Mother's Day. We encourage you to spend extra time with your family or celebrate some of the men in your life. Uh, so nothing else going on here today uh, after the morning services. Um, starting this Wednesday... We have very special services going on on Wednesday night, sponsored by our uh, Nazarene Missions group, and they will be uh, doing a sort where there'll be a couple things happening every one of those nights. There are four Wednesday nights, kind of a Nazarene education, and what they'll be doing is that you'll be uh, listening to somebody that is in a place around the world somewhere. So a missionary or somebody connected with our church that is serving somewhere and you'll be able to hear, we called it boots on the ground, somewhere where you'll hear exactly what is happening in some of these areas and we will have a project. So like this Wednesday, uh, you're going you're gonna to hear from a missionary family uh, and they're going to talk to us and then uh, we're going to do a project together where we make lunches, food lunches for um, Pekin Township for kids that don't have lunches that needed that end during the summer. We love to do that. Uh, we'll make them uh, a, a number of those that'll be able to help them. And so that's the project that's going on there. So Wednesday night at seven, this is the place to be uh, in here. Uh, there's things going on for teens and for children. You can bring them and be a part uh, of that service. All right. Uh, we are in John chapter 9. Uh, this is the 20th uh, message uh, of this series, so pretty awesome. We're making our way uh, through uh, the Gospel of John. If you haven't um, been studying John along with us, I hope that you will read it. It'll take you about 20 or 25 minutes to read the first eight chapters and to catch up with us. Uh, if you want to listen to the messages, go to our website. Uh, that's on the front of the bulletin, and you can find uh, those messages. You can also find it through our PFN app uh, and listen to uh, the messages and catch up on what we're studying together. So we're in John 9. John 9 is a story of a man who was born blind. He was blind from birth. And, every, and what everybody thinks about this miracle is what's happening in this story. It's the story of how Jesus heals a man blind from birth. We see what his parents think. We see what the disciples think of it what the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, what they think of it, and what the crowd has to say about this miracle. Uh, and they have plenty to say, plenty to say also about the miracle worker, Jesus. So if you look at this chapter, it's actually a pretty humorous chapter. And the reason that it's humorous is that everybody in this story is blind except Jesus and the blind man. Everybody else is blind. The disciples are blind. They have, they have questions about things. The man's parents are blind. The Pharisees are certainly blind. And the crowd is blind spiritually. Spiritually, as we used to say, they're blind as a bat. The disciples 
are blind. They are all blind spiritually. Uh, they can't see a thing. And the only person that sees what is happening is the man that has been blind from birth. He can see spiritually. The purpose of this miracle from Jesus is to show us that how God can enable us to see spiritually. So we're going to look at four different things that make, make its way through this story that show us in John 9 of why we can't see spiritually and then some ways that enable us to truly see uh, spiritually as we take this journey together. So really this message is kind of looking at the eye chart. It's just not the eye chart with the big E on it. Um, this eye chart is asking you to take a look at how am I seeing spiritually? How am I seeing things from God's perspective in, uh, in my life and in the, in the areas that he is working uh, in my life? So verse 1 starts off our story. It says, uh, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this man... This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So what you see here is that Jesus and his disciples are walking along and they see this man who has been blind from the day that he was born. The disciples have a question. Jesus? Who sinned? This man who was born blind, was it him or was it his parents? Well, some of you here today might be thinking, well, how could it have been him that was born blind? Well, he actually had people that taught in that day, rabbis, that would actually say that there could be sin even in the womb. If you sinned in the womb, you would bear the punishment of that sin from the moment that you were born. Now, we all know that's wrong thinking, right? We know that's ridiculous. Actually, it's kind of like abortion thinking, isn't it? It's devaluing the, the, the value of the life of that child uh, in the womb. Now, I know this is not a political message, but we, we can all see that, can't we? Uh, the, the importance of the life of this little child. I just think about these, these little twins you got right here. They're just adorable. Uh, thanks for bringing them to church. And uh, they're so precious. So the, these disciples asked, was it him? How was he, how was he born blind? The disciples looked at it and all they could see was a case study. They didn't have any compassion. They saw this whole situation as an object for a theological discussion to take place rather than an opportunity for healing. Jesus didn't. That's the great thing about Jesus. Every time you see Jesus meeting people all throughout the Bible and the book of John, we see Jesus with huge crowds and he does not miss the individuals. He keeps seeing people. You know, we're... we're a church of a lot of people. There are a lot of people that attend here. Maybe sometimes you think, does God even notice I'm here? 
Does God even have an awareness? Well, you can count on it. Even in bigger crowds than this, way bigger, Jesus always notices the individual. He always sees you. He knows you. He knows your name. He knows where you live. He knows what's happening in your life. He knows what's past. He knows what's present. And he's working to bring about a great future on your behalf. We, we know that he sees us. In asking this question, the disciples asked, who sinned, the man or his parents? In saying that, they revealed to us that they were blind to what was happening in this situation. Uh, maybe that's happened to you. What their problem was and what the first thing that hinders us from being able to see spiritually is either or thinking. Either or thinking. Whose sin was it? Either the boy in the womb or his parents. Either or. Jesus' answer, neither. Neither. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. That is a radically different answer, right? They're thinking there's something wrong with this little baby. They're thinking the parents did something wrong, that this child is born blind. Jesus said neither. It was so that God's glory might be displayed. That is a, a whole new way of thinking. So many times our thinking is very narrow, either this or that. And we wonder why we have trouble hearing God's answer. Either I need to do this or I need to do that. I only have these two choices. Either I got to go here or I got to do that. Either or. Either I got to get married or I'm going to live my life totally lonely. Jesus says there's another option and that's God's way of thinking. You know, it's not either get married or be lonely. You know, we recognize that you can be single and be totally fulfilled and happy in your life. Amen? We recognize that. You know, the world loves to beat up people that are single or divorced as if they can't have fulfillment there. Well, we know God has another option. God has a plan and a purpose for every one of our lives, not just whatever we or the world might say, either or. So Jesus gives us an example here of, of how we can see his love and compassion. His answer is God's option. Jesus does miracles, you know, not just to show off his power or not just to show up his enemies. He comes to us and he shows his greatness through his love and compassion that he has for every one of us. Praise God. He shows us love and compassion. So one of the things that hinders us is either or thinking. Now, John 9, verse 6 continues the story. He says, after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. It's okay if you say right there, ooh. <laughs> Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home hearing. Now, what a simple sentence, right? He went, he washed, and he came home seeing. 
blind from birth, and he sees for the very first time. It's an incredible miracle, and it's worked by the power of God through Jesus Christ in this man's life. You know, it helps for us to begin to learn to see things spiritually. You know, we see things spiritually when we choose to obey Jesus in the ordinary. Obey Jesus in the ordinary. I mean, this man does three different things that enable him to begin to see spiritually. He follows a command that was given to him by Jesus. He's going to meet a challenge that comes from the crowd and his friends and family and from the Pharisees, and he's going to answer a question that Jesus asked him. Jesus takes some clay, some mud, and puts it on this man's eyes. It's a very interesting symbol, isn't it? Throughout the Bible, this idea of clay is used as a symbol of the weakness of man, what we were made from, from dust, from the dirt of the ground. Uh, the Bible says that clay is a symbol of our, our weakness. We sing the old hymn, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay molding us we are being molded by him he's the master he's the molder and we are clay one place talks about us being clay pots we all get that right some of us are cracked clay pots we know that um, so jesus is saying we're we're men we are weak but i can touch your life I can change you. I can change every man, every woman. He says, I can take those eyes of yours and to help you see, to see physically, but even more so, to see spiritually. Now, the rest of this chapter, we see this man on this journey from physical sight towards spiritual sight. He's going to have to face some obstacles. He, uh, Jesus is preparing him to see spiritually. You know, that's true for us as well. No matter how your vision is, you know, 2020, 2100, maybe worse. He's not talking about your, your physical vision. He's talking about your spiritual vision. Can you see? Can you see God's purpose? Can you see his plan at work uh, in your life? You see, it takes a step of doing what he has called us to do first for him to bring about these changes he brings in us. Can you imagine this guy walking down the street? I'm sure he had washed his eyes many times, right? Maybe he had gone special places and washed his eyes many times and nothing had happened. Uh, maybe he's thinking how ridiculous he looks walking along with mud in his eyes. Maybe he thought, I'll wash it off before anybody sees me. I don't want to be embarrassed or look like uh, a fool. Either way, he had to be reminded to do what God asked him to do. You know, Jesus is so great at this either or thinking and helping you to know that he has a different way of thinking about things. Throughout the Bible, you see this. They come to him with a coin and say, um, Jesus, we got this coin. Who should we give it to? To God or to Caesar? Either or. Jesus looks at him and says, render unto God what is God's. And render unto Caesar what is Caesar. He says, there is another option for us to think about. You know, when you're facing difficulties and challenges and you're looking for decisions, make sure they haven't decided that it's either 
this way or that way. It's the only way I can see it. Could you see God's option? Either or thinking causes us to be blind to the trap that we can only see our own way. What is God's option for us? What is the expression that he has for us? Going down to the pool to receive his physical sight was preparation for this man to receive his spiritual sight, to be able to see the love and compassion that Christ had for us. Did you know that all miracles start with something simple and ordinary? You can see it throughout the Bible. Remember when the greatest miracle, Moses dividing the Red Sea. Remember how that miracle started? God comes to Moses and said, hold out your staff. You know, I wonder what would have happened if he hadn't done what God asked him to do. Something ordinary that he could do, he did it, and then God split the sea. Uh, we see it over and over again. Uh, he comes to the to grave of Lazarus in John 11. Remember what he says? Roll away the stone. Like he didn't just powerfully blow the stone away. He has those guys go up there and roll the stone away, something that they could do ordinarily. He had five loaves and two fishes. What did he do? He blessed it and gave it to his disciples and said, pass it out to the people. And as they were passing it out, they fed 5,000 plus. They walked around the city of Jericho. Walk around the city seven times. Blow the trumpets and the walls fall down. See, the spiritual insight that you're longing for begins by being faithful to God in the ordinary, being faithful to what God has asked you to do. He's not going to let you live in disobedience to him, not following his path, doing what he's called us to do, and ultimately lay these miracles on us. You know, I, I remind people all the time, people, you know, I don't know if I need to come to church, Pastor. You know what? He encouraged us through his scripture to gather with believers, right? The Bible encourages you to come to church. You know, if you don't do the ordinary things that you can do, God may not do the great things that he could do in your life. Be faithful to God. Serve him. Honor him in the ordinary ways that fit your abilities so that he can do what only God can do. That's the way the, the miracles work in our lives. So a couple of warnings about this. First of all, don't confuse his methods with miracles. Don't confuse methods with miracles. Now, the fact that God would involve us in these miracles sometimes causes us to be confused. You know, Joshua... Maybe he could have gathered some people around and said, hey, hey, we figured it out. How do we defeat all of our enemies? Well, we just go and walk around the walls and blow the trumpet and the walls will fall down every time. Was that true? Nope. He asked him in that moment to be, it was an obedience moment, right? Moses could start to think, oh, this stick is really powerful, <laughs> This stick will do great things. Or the blind man could have thought, whew, this mud is something else. Just think about all the blind people that Jesus healed. Just think if they had a little gathering of those, of those guys. 
You know, the first one could say, oh, I know how it happens. You know, he, 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 he touched my eyes, and then I kind of gradually saw, and people kind of looked like trees, and then I got where I could see just a little bit better. And the second guy says, no, 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 it's spit. Spit was it. He just spit, and he puts some spit on my eye. And the, other, and the third guy comes along and says, oh, no, it's spit and dirt. It's spit and like mud uh, together. That's what we're doing. And then Bartimaeus would come along and say, no, no, no. He just said, be healed. And when he said it, I was healed. You know, this guy that is healed in John 9, he could have started a new ministry called uh, something like, here's mud in your eye ministry or something, you know? <laughs> That's what we would have done today, wouldn't he? Oh, we got it. You know, he went back to that spot and dug up that dirt where Jesus had spit and made some mud and said, oh, this is the magic dirt. Don't confuse methods with miracles. See, the point is, dependence on God, dependence on Christ, not the, the method that he might use. You see, his goal is to build your faith. His goal is to strengthen your character. His goal is to make you a man of God, a woman of God, and he may use any methods he chooses. So when you decide, oh, this is how he works in my life, this has got to be the way that it is, nope. All he asks you to do is to be obedient and to trust him in the midst of that. So you really, you know, it's not the church that creates the miracles. You know, you can't depend on church. Church is an avenue that calls you to think about, to worship, to depend on God. That's why you come to church. You know, why, why, do, we, why do we read the Bible? You know, I know people that sometimes will say, well, the Bible's kind of like a lucky charm, you know, and I just read the Bible and these powerful words and I read the word. No, God wants you to read the Bible, but what God wants you to get out of the Bible is that it's pointing to him. It wants you to see God. It wants you to have faith in him. It wants you to be drawn to Christ. So the Bible is powerful, but, it, but it's, not some, it's not just some charm that we have. What he's trying to do is to strengthen it. Don't confuse methods with the miracle and the miracle worker. Uh, the second warning I give you is don't mistake your participation for God's power. You know, the fact is that God includes us in miracles. This guy could have said, I walked down to the pool and that's how the healing came. Moses could have said, I stretched out my staff or the disciples. They could have said, you know, we're the ones that handed out the bread. We are the ones that really did uh, the miracle. But obviously, God is the one who gets the credit. Only he deserves it. And that's why this man could see. He goes back and there's a crowd of people there. And he's saying he's been a blind beggar. What do you think happened? The first time he sees, for the first time he can see faces behind those voices he's heard all of his life. For the first time he can see what the corner where he begged is all about. For the first time he can see plants and buildings and colors for the first time. So how did everybody else uh, respond to him? How did they respond uh, to his circumstances? We can see it uh, in verse 8. Uh, verse 8 says, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, is this the man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. 
How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made to mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. So you notice quickly what's happening here is that they have a very strange reaction. It's almost like an interrogation rather than a celebration, right? They should be celebrating this guy that has been blind from birth, but Jesus comes to him. What happens in this moment? What enables us not to be able to see spiritually is doubt, doubt. They couldn't believe it because it had never been, had never happened before. No one had ever been born blind and was healed. They let their experience of what had happened in their life make them believe what was and was not possible. It just couldn't be him. You know, sometimes we live in the dark because we've convinced ourselves that true light is impossible. It's not. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is still able to do the impossible. Jesus is still able to bring light into darkness. Jesus is able to take us in our sin and forgive us and remove the guilt. Jesus gives us a real purpose and significance. All those things are possible because Jesus is still with us. Praise God. All things are possible with him. So don't let your past blind you to the possibilities of what God could do in your life. Oh, here's how it comes. A lot of times we use questions. Now, asking questions about faith and about God is totally appropriate, but sometimes we use questions. You ever had people use questions to create gossip? Don't, don't look around. <laughs> sometimes we use questions to create demand. Sometimes we use questions to bring about delay because God is speaking to us. Maybe we're asking questions. You ever ask the question, why me, Lord? You know what? People ask that question, but I don't think they really want the answer. Why me, Lord? What if he told you? Whew, it might get bad quick, right? No, we don't. We ask questions. We don't really want the answer because if we did, we would be listening for the answer. You know, they ask all these questions, but they're just trying to create confusion and doubt. He's, he's reminding them that they, he's encouraging them not to think about the doubt that's there, to overcome the doubts, waiting for an answer, to hear what God has to say. They had the first part, they asked the questions, they just hadn't, didn't have the second part, listening for the answer. So what keeps us from seeing? What keeps us from being able to see is either or thinking, not knowing God's perspective, doubt. Uh, there's a third thing that happens in John 9 uh, verse, verses 13 uh, through 17. What do you see in this section here is that the, the scripture saying is reminding them of the Pharisees investigating this healing. It says they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had revealed or received his sight. He put mud on my eyes. The man replied, I washed and now I see. 
Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. The others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? They were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. What's happening here? Uh, the third thing that is causing people to not be able to see is man-made rules. Man-made rules keeps us from seeing spiritually every time. They couldn't believe this man's story. Blind from birth and now he sees because of one thing. And notice, it happened on a Sabbath. Jesus broke the rules. In fact, he broke the rules in at least three ways. Broke the rules by spitting on the ground. Now, if he had spit on a rock, that would have been okay. But he spit on the ground, and so he's making mud. So that's work, and so that's happening on the Sabbath, so he can't do that. Secondly, he broke the rules in that he spit made this mud and put it on the man's eyes. So he was performing a healing act on this man, and that was especially against the rules, clear as a bell. And then, lo and behold, the whole thing worked. He made the man see again, and it worked. And so he was healing on a Sabbath. People are so afraid of breaking rules. Instead of a festival and a celebration, it was like a funeral. There was no joy. They were afraid of everything, afraid of breaking uh, the rules on the Sabbath. But here's a man that was blind, that had never been able to see. And these religious men are worshipers of God, but instead of rejoicing and celebrating and singing and dancing because of what took place, they were blind themselves, blind spiritually, man-made rules. Paul talks about this. Paul talks about he had to admit that when he finally came to Christ in Acts 9, that all the rules that he had kept all of his life were worthless. Remember that? He calls them rubbish, that they're worth knowing, but they are not above knowing Christ. And that's what these leaders are struggling with. You know, your future does not have to justify your past. You know, there's, there's this business idea, and I've heard it, I've heard it uh, in the church among leaders, and it goes like this, that the best measure of future performance is past behavior. Well, I don't think that's a very Christ-centered idea because I am thankful to God that I am not today what I used to be that God has done something in my life that has overcome my past, my choices, my environment, whatever, I, all those things I grew up with have been broken because of the grace and the power of God in my life today. You think I'd be a minister without the power of God to overcome my past? How about you? You still living with the struggle of your past? Be set free. Be set free, free from the bondage of living in struggles to the past. Put your trust in Christ. Depend upon him and let him show you the possibilities of your future. Hallelujah. Good preaching, preacher. Wow, that is, a, that is awesome. Y'all are just sitting way too quiet. I have to help myself here. 
Why settle for darkness when you can know that he has light for you? Not just thinking about man-made rules, but recognizing the light that he wants to shine in your life. What keeps us from seeing? Uh, it reminds us that he has overcome our past so that he can move us into the future. The last one in 18 to 23, what keeps us from seeing what keeps us from seeing spiritually, and that would be fear, fear. It says that they were going to put him out of the synagogue. Verse 22 says his parents said this before they were, because they were afraid of the Jews, because already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. Now that says something that may not be important to us, but when you were put out of the synagogue, that meant that all your social security went down the drain because the synagogue was the place that provided help to you in your life, provided opportunities for business. It meant that you were lost and that you were put out publicly and shamed uh, by, by the people. So when they said they were afraid of being put out of the synagogue, it was a legitimate fear there. But the answer to our fears is to be willing to lose everything for Jesus Christ. Uh, to get an understanding of what Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So the losses being recognized that we can lose things around us, but we can gain Christ. Jesus commanded us to do that. He says, daily, take up your cross, deny yourself and follow him, Luke 9. He commanded us to do it. Why? Because he knew that we could, because he knew that we, what it would do for our lives, that we would lose our fear and overcome our fear so that we could put our trust completely in him. Is something that he wants us to see, showing us that we can see spiritually, overcoming either or thinking, doubt, man-made rules, and fear. So what enables us to be able to see? How can I see clearly? How can I see spiritually? He tells us, see Jesus in your circumstances. See Jesus in the circumstances of your life. 24 and 25 says a second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Praise God. They said, Give glory to God and say that he's a sinner. Well, I don't know what he is. I have no idea for sure. But one thing I know, I was blind and now I can see. We know that story, right? We love that song, Amazing Grace. You know, but we have to think about it. Where were you blind and how did he help you see? Could you see when you, were, when you were blind and you were lost and you had no direction in your life and how he helped you to see the direction that he had for you? Could you remember being in darkness, being filled with addictions and difficulties that held you back and how he broke you free from those addictions and gave you the opportunity to see clearly? I was blind, but now I see. I was spiritually lost, but Jesus has saved me, transformed me, and now I can really, really see. 
This is, a, this is a gathering of believers here today, right? This is a gathering of believers. If you don't know Christ, we long for you to know him, to come to know him. But, you know, we hear about God and we hear about faith and we put our trust in Christ because he wants us to be able to see that there is a spiritual direction. There's a spiritual option. There's a spiritual answer for all of us. Notice what happened to this man. He gets more and more light as he goes along. Verse 11, he says, he's the man they call Jesus. That's the one that healed me. When they ask him again in verse 17, he says, Jesus is a prophet. And then in verse 38, listen to 35 through 38. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when, they, when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Would you say that phrase, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Ready? Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. He's given this moment of clarity, this moment of enlightenment, challenge, and encouragement, recognizing what God wants to do in your life as he reminds you that he helps you to see who Jesus is and how he wants to work in your life. As we, as we close today, I, I, I hope that you would be a... Uh, slightly tolerant of me uh, for just a moment. I would love it if every man would come and join me at the front. Uh, across the front, up on the stage here, every man. So if you're in the balcony, come now. So I'll, I'll wait for you. Uh, every man, if there's a guy there sitting there, nudge, get him, elbow him or something. Uh, every man, if you would come and join me, uh, you can stand across the front here if you have, have some trouble, if you want to step up. Thank you, Matthew. Come on up here. Hello, Richard. Every man, come and join me. They're still coming. Invite you all to come. Isn't this awesome? I want to tell you something. This happened twice today. Twice. The first service. There were people as deep as the platform and wall to wall, all the way across here. And now look at all these men that are here today. Uh, we are blessed by men in our church. Uh, I would love for all of you, if you look at me for just a moment. I don't know how often you have been challenged to be a godly man, but I wanna do that today. God has created you to be a godly man where you live, and where you can have an impact on the world around you. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what kind of man that you have been in your life, but God wants you to be a godly man, to live for him, to honor him, to serve him. Let, let's be great husbands, right? Let's be great husbands, that our wives can know that we are godly men, 
that we are celebrating them and loving them and being the kind of example that God wants us to be. Let's be godly fathers, right? If we have children in our life, let's be those, those godly fathers. Uh, let's ask God to change our ways if we have ways of, that are hindering our children or things that come out of our mouths or attitudes that we have. Let's choose to be godly men, godly fathers, godly husbands. Let's be great godly men uh, in the places that we go, the places that we work, the impact of people that we have around us. You will shock people in your life if you decide to be godly, not just in simple situations, but when it's hard, when you have to be faithful, when you have to be uh, trustworthy, when you have to be a man of integrity. God wants us all to be men of God, Christ-centered, exalting him in the way that we live. I, I, have, a, I have a charge for you today. It's a charge written um, out of a, an idea of, uh, a man used the term, the fellowship of the unashamed. The fellowship of the unashamed, that's what I invite you to be today. Don't be ashamed to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed to be a disciple of Jesus and decide that you're going to live your life in every ordinary circumstance, in every situation in your life, that you're going to honor him and follow him and serve him. That's a powerful commitment. The charge says, I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed godly man. I have the Holy Spirit's power in me. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, step down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present is certain, and my future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, cheap talking, sight walking, small planning, small needs, colorless dreams, tame visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I am no longer one who needs prominence, prosperity, positions, promotions, or popularity. I don't have to be right. First, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. For now, I live by faith. I lean in on his presence. I walk by patience. I'm uplifted by prayer. I labor with his power. My faith is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions may be few, but my God is reliable. My mission is clear. I can't be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. Anybody else getting happy? I'm telling you. Uh, I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate with the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I will not give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and spoken up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I will keep going until he comes, give until I drop, work until he stops me, and then... When he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing us. A godly, Christ-centered man who has strongly embraced Jesus and trusted him with our lives. We love you, Jesus. What a charge that is. Praise God. Let's do that. You know the story. Jesus had 12, 
12. And one of them was bad. Ended up with 11. And he changed the world through 11 men. Amen. What could God do through us? What could God do through us? How could, how could we multiply this group? I mean, when you see these pictures this morning, you're going to be amazed at the men. But what if it was doubled, tripled, quadrupled as you, God uses us to reach more and more men and to be those godly men in the world around us? Let's stand up, everybody, together. We're going to join hands. All these men, you ladies out there, join hands together. And let's pray a prayer. Jesus, the longing in my heart, and I believe the longing in the heart of these men that are gathered with us today, is not for this just to be another service. Lord, you do amazing things in this sanctuary. I feel you here every time we gather. I am moved by how you're shaping us and how you're guiding us as a church. But absolutely nothing could be more important than what we're committing to today. I know that your heart, I can just see you, Jesus, leaning over the edge of heaven this morning, seeing men that recognize that Father's Day is not just about being treated nice by our family, but Father's Day is a day to say, I'm committed, Jesus. Help us to be men of God. Help us all to serve you faithfully with integrity and with purity and with faithfulness and to be men of love and tenderness and compassion. Lord, impact us. Show us how to not live in doubt or fear or, or either or thing. Help us to know that you have a way, you have a plan for every one of us. Lord, today across this platform, we commit ourselves as men of God. Lord, maybe there's a man here today that is sort of like Ben was. He had no intention of coming forward today. He had no intention of telling you how he was going to live his life. But all of us in this room today, Lord, hear our heart, hear our commitment. Lord, we believe, Lord, I need you. We pray that you would be with us and that you would change the world through us. We praise you together. We give you thanks. And we pray to the man above all men who came and walked among us and who continues to walk with us now. We praise you together and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, everyone said together, amen. amen. Praise God. God bless you, man. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Happy Father's Day.